You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. All of our congregations are talking about uh, what it is to live as the new creation and uh, working it out each week together. This week, we're talking about what, what it is to get into the new creation from excess to abundance. I, I'm a full-time pastor, uh, and I'm also a cell leader. I'm also the mother of two kids. Um, here, I think I have a picture here for you. There they are, Aaliyah and Isaiah with pizza. That's about as big as their head. Isaiah is eight, Aaliyah is 11. So I was thinking also about all these other names that I'm called mom is one of them. I'm also, you know, I'm also a spouse. I'm also a neighbor. I'm also a sister and a daughter. And I'm also an introvert. Uh, So I'm always looking for how to work out my time between all all the hats that I wear, all the names that I respond to. And I realized that there's this old script in my head. My dad always said, there's not enough hours in the day. And he would say that. He still does say it all the time. So that phrase is like deeply embedded in me as I'm trying to work out how to spend my time and uh, since childhood. And then I have anecdotal evidence that seems to reinforce that truth. There's not enough hours in the day. So this sense of scarcity of time is deeply ingrained in me. And on Wednesday of this week, I'm just going to tell you guys a story of how this this played out in my life this week. On Wednesday, I had one of those days uh, where that script was just on repeat in my head. There are not enough hours in the day. It started out with an internet problem at my office. It was super slow. And I had I had a lot of things that I needed to do in a short amount of time. So I didn't have time to deal with the slow internet. So I left. I went to a coffee shop to work. And I promptly, in that process, I promptly forgot that I was scheduled to meet with the pastors that morning. And when Rachel texted me to check in, uh, I raced off across the city to 2007 Frankfurt Ave. But being late, getting there, pushed that meeting back. We were recording a podcast, by the way. You should check it out if you if you hadn't heard that happen yet. It was a lot of fun to do. We're going to we're going to keep doing it. So then when I left there later than I expected, I didn't have enough time to get back across town to my kids' school by 12:09 to pick them up because it was a half day for report card conferences. I don't know if I don't know what the the districts here in Jersey are like, but the Philadelphia School District has like half days or days off like every other week. It, it's all the time. It feels like we're constantly juggling our schedules to respond to another partial day off or professional development day or whatever. So I was running like about 15 minutes late to get back to pick up my kids. And uh, I, text, I texted another parent to see if she was there so she could let my kids know. She said, no problem. And I kind of relaxed a little bit. And I eased up a little bit on the gas pedal, knowing that my kids wouldn't mind some extra time on the playground just playing till I got there. 
And I came across 76, uh, 676 across the city uh, to find that they had just closed 76 West, which I needed to take completely. Uh, we were all being rerouted to 76 East, the opposite direction that I needed to go. And it was crawling. We were inching along. Apparently, Mike Pence was in Philadelphia on Wednesday, and they closed down the highway for him. And my, my, my Waze app didn't know it yet because it was just happening. Uh, so that figures. Slow internet, running late, three half days of school. I didn't mention that. There were three days in a row of have half days for these report card conferences. And then Mike Pence. So uh, it took me another hour to get to through the traffic jam to weave my way back to the school. And my kids had needed a bathroom in the meantime and couldn't hold it. So uh, my friend Allison took them to the grocery store across the street. They had just gotten back. I had to go too, actually, but I didn't want to take the time to even go. So I loaded them in the car and we headed home so I could try to catch up on the rest of my day. I was really feeling like I was not going to get anything done. That night, my friend posted uh, on Facebook or something uh, this meme. I keep hearing it takes a village to raise a child. Do they just show up or is there a number to call? I think they can't find me. So I chuckled, right, like you did. But I thought, she's not really being funny. There's, there's some real, you know, reality to that. She's a single mom. She works full time. Her girls are at the same school where my kids are. So, and her youngest is actually in Isaiah's class. I'm sure she could use help. I'm struggling with these three half days. I'm sure she is too. So I scanned the comments under her post and everyone was like laughing or relating, like, I feel you. But nobody responded to her need. I was kind of surprised and I thought, I, I can respond. I can do something. I could take her girls for one of these half days. And then immediately I talked myself out of it. I don't have time to take on extra kids this week. Uh, I don't know how I would do that. I don't even have enough time for my own kids this week. <clears throat> but I wanted to respond. I, I, I used to do this all the time. I love having other kids around. Kids are often better when they have a buddy to play with anyway. So I responded on the post and I texted her. But in the in-between the time that I posted and waiting for her response, I talked myself out of it a couple more times. I realized, wait a minute, Aaliyah has musical practice after that half day, so she'll be staying at the school for a couple of hours. I'm going to have to leave and come back to get her. Uh, what am I going to do with her kids when I take mine to orchestra at 4.30? Uh, my house is a mess. I don't really want anybody to see it. There's no space for me to work at home uh, in a separate area. We, our house is very small. So no matter where the kids are playing, I'm going to be in the middle of it. So you can see what happened. Like I, my, my original sense of like not enough time in the day kind of morphed into not enough for my kids and continued into not clean enough, house not big enough, um, it's like I got stuck in this track of scarcity thinking, and this rut is so well-worn that, that I kind of just stayed there. Living life from that place can be really immobilizing and anxiety-producing. I start to interpret everything 
I'm, I'm doing through this kind of uh, sense. When the core narrative of my heart is that I don't have enough, I start to reorganize around this desire for or the striving for more. I need excess so I can stop feeling like there's not enough. I just want relief from some excess. But that's always elusive. Whether it's conscious or not, I start thinking that when, when I have more time or when I get this thing done, I will offer to help with other people's kids. Or when my boss doesn't stress me out, I will have more time and energy. Or when I have a better job, like you could fill in the lines. I heard a lot of this throughout my week since I was listening for it. The vacation was great, but now I'm back home and I need a vacation from the vacation. The house is clean, but it never stays that way. What, you know, the new school has more resources, but my kid is struggling with the pressure and all the homework. Getting more doesn't free us in the ways that we want it to. Even when we do feel free, the the freedom is short-lived. The promise of excess is fleeting. More time is great. More money is great sometimes. Uh, We can do more when we have more. But the promise of the new creation is that we're working out leads us from from what is to something more that Jesus has for us. We're sitting in this passage for this whole season, eight weeks, of 2 Corinthians 5. We need, we need time to go over it and over it and over it, to let it sink in and, and change those scripts that we have running in our heads. Even if you don't have a scarcity mindset about time, you probably have your own version The reality that Christ brought about as the new creation gets us to abundance, no matter what, whether there is scarcity or excess. Abundance is, it's different than excess. It's based on the love of Christ, who went to the depths of death to overcome it and to bring about a new creation. The power at work in him is the power of God's love. God's love overcame the power of sin and death, of finiteness, of scarcity. We are free from being confined to our circumstances. The limited resources that we experience in our world, it's real, even in our own hearts, are are no longer our point of reference or our point of view. Christ died for all and therefore all died. Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised, was raised again. It is Christ's love that compels us, the abundance of Christ's love. When we can live out of that place, we not only um, we live not by what's seen, but what's unseen. It's not about waiting until I have excess. God is doing something much bigger than that's beyond my own personal resources. If I wait until I have access in order to do the thing, whatever it is, I will probably never do it. Trying to achieve excess so that I can do that thing never really works out. It's about living as a new creation. 
compelled by the love of Christ. But how do we do that? Sorry, I think I forgot, I forgot to give you the second part of this passage. There it is. For Christ's love compels us. How do we do that? As I was reflecting on my week and what actually happened in me and in my situation, I realized that abundance doesn't require excess. It requires trust. If I wait for excess, I can't do the thing that my heart is telling me to do, to do the thing that I want to do, but I think that I can't. I'm going to have to trust God. It requires changing. It requires changing the means of satisfaction to trust. Trust that everything's going to work out. It's like it's like leaning on the everlasting arms like we just sang. It's not worrying about tomorrow. Uh, we we also sang it's about it's it's about growing in your growth, we're singing to God there, longing in your longing, trusting that God will be with me in this practice, in this peace. Abundance is like a different wavelength. There's something more underneath this. The new creation came in Christ and is coming to its fullness. There is more, and I want to live into that. But it does require reordering my heart. So I had to think about, again, how do we do this? I think we need to do things that challenge scarcity. We need to practice living from that other place. Like get off the scarcity scale and, and act like there is enough and see what God will do. Not taking, taking heart by what is seen, uh, I can always see my to-do list. And, and I will buckle down dutifully until there's nothing more left on there. But then I also have no time left. It continually runs me. I need to take heart in what is unseen. But it's complicated to work out. There was this, definitely this moment of revelation for me this week when my friend was listening to me talk about watching um, these extra kids. It turned out just being one. But he heard behind what I was saying uh, the sense of scarcity that, that can drive me. And he said, that's not why you're watching them. You're watching them because you have the gift of extra love and availability to share with her. And your heart goes out to her when she asks for help. And I thought, yes, that, that is it. But I'm, I'm that wavering that I could forget, I can forget that in the moment of scarcity. I needed to do something to challenge that scarcity, to act into it and see what God would do. I don't think it works any other way. If I have it all sorted out and I am sure that I have enough excess to give, I won't know what God wants to do out of God's abundance. I'll just be operating out of what my own resources are. I won't ever get to see or experience it from God myself. I'll kind of be locked up in my own management of resources and not allow the abundance of God's love to meet me in my lack. 
So I can't say that I had this all sorted out when Isaiah's friend came over, but as the two of them were playing, they settled into our front room and they transformed the whole thing into a fort with every pillow and cushion and blanket and sheets from upstairs that they could find. And I sat there working and occasionally would tune in to their casual conversation and their silly voices that they were using because uh, they, be- they had become characters doing this. And I was so full of joy. They were lost in their own world of play and it was beautiful. I remember, like, it took me back to when he was little and would do this all the time. Uh, some of you know that he's had a really hard couple of years at school and um, he struggles relationally. So it was such a gift for him to just play freely and be this industrious, playful child. And for me to see that that's still in him, because sometimes I worry. So I didn't realize that in offering childcare this week that I needed to live this way. I was prompted by my friend's need, but I need to keep doing things that challenge the scarcity that's in me and to change my heart to trust. The last thing I recognized as I reflected on this week was how important it is to name the new creation. And it it helps to have a friend uh, who, who could name it like mine did. Uh, I live because Christ's love compels me, not my lack, not my desire to escape my lack, not even having excess. Paul is doing this naming. I love that we did some naming this morning ourselves. Paul's doing this naming for the church in Corinth, too. Um, This passage that we've been working through in 2 Corinthians 5, if you read on to the next chapter, chapter 6, He encourages them by saying, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. It's hard to stay living in, in that future that is here but also not yet. Now we are saved. Now we have life abundant in Christ. And yet we still feel our lack. We still come up against all of our limitations and our lack of resources in this world. We still subconsciously uh, try to get access, excess, excuse me. I can still see how my heart uh, wants to organize to wait for it. But how we live, how do we live now as the new creation, compelled by the love of Christ? I love that Paul names the trouble too. He doesn't just name that now is the time. He also names his trouble. He lists in detail all of the hardships. He's not covering over that. He's not hiding his suffering or his trials. He actually unmasks the power that they have. Let's read it together. Can someone read this out loud for me? Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, and pains, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and confidence, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in the 
making the difference between the old and the new plain. He's naming what it is to be the new creation, to have the abundance despite his circumstance, regardless, I should say, of his circumstance. There's a, there's a different definition for the way of things, a different definition for rich, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. He is tuning in to what the abundance of Christ is. Facing all the hardships that he faces, he still claims abundance in Christ. It's like by a, it's by a whole different evaluation system. The, the currency of wealth is different than the world. The means of his satisfaction is different. He no longer regards anyone from a worldly point of view. Even Christ or himself, the new creation is here. He has everything he needs in Christ, and Christ's love compels him to live no longer for himself, but for him who died for them and was raised again to new life. Living as part of the new creation means that we can name the hardships and the struggle, but also name the new creation. If the new creation has come, what is the new thing? What does it mean for this specific area of your life, this specific relationship, this specific situation to be new? Or for me to be new in this new situation? I think we, ca- we, we have to keep working it out day to day, hour by hour. Let's, let's keep naming the new thing that God's doing in us And in the world, when we participate, it's freeing. God God is saving us now from the scarcity that drives us to wait for excess. Now is the day of salvation. And the abundance of Christ is ours, but we have to keep helping each other live it out. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.